Welcome back to the Sim Geeks podcast. We have another special guest with us today, Megan Augustine from St. Luke's, and so we'll let her introduce herself here in just a minute. But we wanted to take some time to talk about all of the crazy innovation that has come lately out of this COVID-19 pandemic and how makers have kind of stepped up in creating different solutions and workarounds and making sure that we're meeting the demands of what's going on. So Megan, let me, let's, let's let you get started. Where are you from? You know, talk about what you're doing now and, and we'll just kind of get started from there. Sure. So first off, uh, welcome and uh, thank you very much for having me. Um, my name is Megan Augustine. I'm uh, originally from Luzerne County in Pennsylvania. Uh, some people can say it's uh, near Scranton or the Pocono Mountains. Scranton is, if you're familiar with The Office, the TV show, uh, a lot of people attribute it to that. Um, David, you're shaking your head no, but okay. So um, I'm, that one, I'm that one person in the world that just <laughs> The Office didn't catch me. It, I, a little secret didn't catch me either. I actually hated it. But um, so uh, Luzerne County, Pennsylvania, but um, St. Luke's University Health Network is located in Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania. Um, I am the director for the Simulation Center. We are a large network. Um, we have a medical school, a nursing school, um, GME, um, 12 hospital system growing. Uh, you name it, we have it. It is the best place to work. I don't say that just because I work here, but um, you know, I, I love it. It is my dream job. So that's, that's me in a nutshell. Um, it's where the I big work. thing is the sim is incorporated into your, your job is incorporated into all of that. Not that it happens to be on the same campus. No sim really is incorporated into everything you just mentioned, which is mind blowing. It is it. Um, so a little um, piece of information about the sim center. So we became a network sim center in 2014. Um, prior to that, you know, we had a sim center in the medical school and a sim center in the nursing school. Um, and then it kind of caught on to the rest of the network and we've been growing um, ever since. So, uh, and we continue to grow. All right. So I know you guys have been involved in some of this as well. And this is a conversation that we have been having back and forth for what, four months now? It feels like, I feel like right March, April, we started talking about recording this. We started going back and forth on what you were doing versus what we were doing. Uh, you know, some of the early mask designs actually came out of the town I live in here in Billings, Montana, the, the mask MT or whatever, which is one of the earlier 3D printed designs. And that kind of got David and I talking. To be honest, we both were a little standoffish at first. Uh, we both kind of stayed out of it. We talked to each other. We ran a couple of prints, but we weren't 100% sold. Whereas it sounds like you guys went a little bit further and just kind of jumped right on it early on, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, you know, we... we... We had some mass designs, you know, we looked at, I, I have an amazing team, um, you know, and just talking about the network um, very quickly, uh, you know, and for how big we are, I have a small team. Um, they're awesome. Um, but we have different backgrounds. Um, none of us are clinical, um, which may sound unique for a lot of people. None of us are. I mean, I have a, you know, somebody with a pharmaceutical, you know, comes from a pharmaceutical environment. Um, I have a teacher slash engineer background, um, sim tech. I have somebody who came from surgical tech background, but again, they, they have no clinical background whatsoever. And my SP coordinator was a cake decorator, um, you know, of all traits, you know, um, but it makes up the best, most wildest, craziest teams and where somebody's weak is, is somebody else's strength. Um, so in, in the, COVID chaos, um, it, you know, certainly made us come together. Nice word. Yeah. I mean, it, it, we call it the CC, right? The yeah. COVID chaos. 
Um, so with the masks, um, you know, we weren't sure if we we're going to have our job. Um, so I was trying to figure out a way for us to keep our jobs here in the network. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about masks and mask design and came up with a design and, and it kind of just truly, you know, took off from there. And, um, you know, we, we've pushed out to that design and, and have been working with the network in regards to that design. And, and I, I totally blame you on the fact that I took it seriously finally, because my biggest sticking point on the masks was um, the, the filter medium. And I'm like, well, that's cool. You can make whatever you want, but if you don't have a good filter medium, um, you know, it, it doesn't matter. So I was kind of poo-poo, like he said, and, and Will and I had bounced it back and forth. We're like, this is really, really awesome. But without a filter medium, I, I just, I couldn't get excited about it. And you called me one day and I'm totally staking you out on this. And the minute you mentioned, okay, let's talk about this. I got super serious because I knew that you had probably done a uh, hundred miles worth of work on this already. And, and I, I listened to what you had to say and then I was on board. So yeah, the masks are the one thing. And I know the other thing is that, that you and I talked a lot about some of the sticking points. So we all on this video love 3d printing. You uh, just got an amazing new toy at your shop and we're all very, very jealous about that. But um, you know, we, we love the benefits of the 3d printing environment because you know, it's rapid prototyping um, you know, it's the ability to take somebody else's design and you know, modify it to work like, Ooh, I think this is great, but we're going to use it and we're going to modify it and we're going to do some little things like this. But the biggest things I saw as a problem of anything, not just the masks, we're going to talk about much, much more than just the masks are, you know, 3d printing is not quick. It is terribly slow, uh, you know, for, for most basic budget FDM printers. And then the thing is dimensional accuracy. So at a certain price point of 3D printer, the dimensional accuracy, you go to thread something together or you go to bolt something together and it's just off. Um, and then my biggest thing that I thought about was delamination materials, how porous they were and how to clean it. And then, then you know, how the, the breakdown of the occurs for it from cleaning. So I immediately went to the whole molding casting and things like that. And I know you were on board with that really quickly as well, because then you can make sure it's a sealed part, make sure it's cleanable, and then make sure, you know, that uh, you can rapidly produce these things. And then of course, SmoothOn came out with their video showing them rapid prototyping it, designing it, 3D printing it. The really cool thing that, that I know I loved out of that video was they made a printable, um, uh, uh, the word's escaping me, but basically they made a channel that they could make a seal for the mask. Because I know that's one thing is that if it doesn't fit real, real well, uh, it, it won't work. So when they came out with that printable, it made it completely open to everybody. They could make a soft silicone seal and how to attach it. That was really, you know, an amazing breakthrough for it. So the, the seal was more my issue than anything, right? I wasn't too concerned about the filter because I knew looking at the, the mask designs that were out there, you could take one in 95 and cut it into three or four filters that would fit a mask. So even, even though you are burning PPE, we were effectively creating more PPE from it. So I was never really worried about the filter as much as how do I keep things from just coming around the side of the mask, taking the path of least resistance. And I want to say it was, it was late March, late, late March, early, early April, around the 30th or the 1st, um, that I actually, I'd been ignoring it. I'd seen it. I'm like, ah, it's cool, whatever. I'd seen the Perusa, the headband for the face shield. And we'll talk about that in a minute. And I did, I was just like, I just, I couldn't get on board, couldn't get on board. And then I got a call from my sister-in-law, who's a midwife in Wyoming. And she said, is there any way you can make these for us? And I'm like, well, I can, but I have all these concerns. 
And she said, well, it's in the news today, which it was here in Montana. Like, so the Montana mask was made by a local neurosurgeon. And so we started looking at it again. And I thought, you know what? Why not? Let's try and figure this out. And then a local, another local company jumped on board that sells filter material. So it's just raw filter material. Rather than having to destroy the N95, you could cut squares and you just bought this stuff by the square foot. And so at that point, it became more of a, a reasonable project. However, like you said, you're still limited. The CR10, I think, could print three of these at a time. So you're still limited to how long it takes. And each print is two to three hours. I mean, it was, it was not a quick process for the design that we had at the time. And that depends on what quality you print at. So like, I know that, you know, I wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, it was going to be a good enough quality because my thing was all molding it, casting it and replicating it. So I never thought of printing that as a viable option because, because again, the, the time involved. No, I totally, and I, and we talked about this and went back and forth on it. Of course, in the process, I broke my printer. And so I, uh, <laughs> I started having these really, really shitty 3D prints on when I was doing some masks and they would print perfectly and they would get up to where the face, the actual face shield part is, the part that sits on your cheeks and it would just glitch completely out. Come to find out I had a, a part cooling fan that went out on the printer and it was doing fine on thicker parts and not so well on the thinner stuff. And so I kind of got into it and got out of it as quickly as I had, had started because by then, like I said, David had started moving on doing the casting and molding. It made more sense that way. And then, of course, our PPE shortage started to come back around because the factories started upping their their actual outputs, and we started being able to buy PPE again. And uh, talking about your um, printer breaking down, shout out to Theo Raymaker for the help on that because he is uh, definitely, you know, I know 3D printing to a certain point. You do as well. So does Megan. But, boy, he knows his tech, like, big time. So. Oh, yeah, we went back and forth for, like, three days, and he helped oh, me. Yeah. He's the one that helped me pin it down to specifically yep. that it was that tiny little fan. Good dude. Good dude. So the masks are where we all started with things. And um, I don't know if you had any more to say about it, Megan, but then the, the rest of the stuff is where some of the innovations really, really cool. Did you have anything more on the masks, Megan? Or No, I think it's interesting. I mean, certainly, uh, and this goes in general, the, the 3D print community is absolutely amazing. Um, you know, when we talk about, you were saying, Dave, about the 3D printers, um, you know, your desktop printers, and we, we saw it at St. Luke's, the community where they, everybody wanted to come in and certainly help but it's, it's no secret that with the desktop printers, it takes forever, you know, to do these prints, which is where our new printer comes into play and, and was one of the biggest reasons why we got that printer sooner than what we anticipated is, you know, for us to do that type of print, um, we were able to, you know, print something, um, you know, that may have taken us five hours to print on a regular desktop, we were able to cut that down into two and a half printers. Yeah. Um, so. And I mean, how many makers did you have in your community network? You know, if you had to guess, how many helped? Um, I, I have the list. I mean, that was just it. I mean, we had so many, so many donors. I probably had 50 plus donors helping us. Man, yeah. cranking prints for it. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's the that's, maker community thing we're talking about, right? Oh like my you, God. It was amazing. It was yeah. amazing. I, I am so, and I have problems asking people for help. And so when, you know, we oh, had these people, yeah. <laughs> I'd rather <laughs> give you my arm than ask for two, two fingers. I would. So when people are saying, how much do you need? I couldn't answer that question. Yeah. And so my response to them is whatever you're willing to provide. Um, you know, these people are, are willing, it was the filament, whatever they were willing to donate, whether it was the ear savers, um, you know, uh, we, created stethoscopes as well. Um, and so they were printing those for us, you know, the pieces and it was, it was amazing. Um, like you said, that that community is, is I'll be forever grateful and blessed. 
the other community that is, uh, you know, getting some more than just the 3D printing, because I want to make sure we talk about them, is sewing circles are now cool again. Because, my God, the amount of people, I mean, just in my town, my crazy little town, that are mass producing these cloth masks for give or for cheap or whatever, just for their time, is, is amazing, too. So the cloth mask, you know, community that's, that's just cranking these out, because I've actually supported uh, a couple of them making, like, uh, folding, pleating forks and some different, you know, guides and things like that and printing them out, too. And uh, Sharon Stone in my town, who will never listen to this, but I still want to mention her, is just cranking them out every day so thank you to to every maker out there that's even thought about it i mean it's it's just amazing but yeah talk about the the stethoscopes for a second how did that come about because i remember you mentioned it and i'm like the the what <laughs> so um yeah so we our network set up a ppe command center um obviously you know there's a there was a shortage of you know, PPE across the country and everywhere else in the world. And I was on a call one day and they said there was a shortage for stethoscopes. And I said, oh, we could 3D print those. And, you know, um, I, it's funny, I've been called, you know, a lot of things in life, you know, somebody called me a germ nerd the other day and I kind of took it, you know, because um, we we've, we've started printing the, you know, the no touch tools, you know, that you're seeing everywhere. And um, except ours is pretty cool because we added a bottle, open to our, bottle opener to ours. Um, but, uh, you know, I said, priorities. yeah, right. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's marketing. Um, but I said, how many do you need? I said, we can do that. We can 3d print them. And they said, how many do you need? And and then they said 2000 and said, okay, when do you need them by? And they're like two weeks. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I think you've developed a cough through a lot of these conversations, you know, when they, when they put out the ask, because to them, it's just magic. And the problem is your success is your biggest hindrance because yeah. as you crank out these big numbers and you're doing this great thing, they go, Oh, cool. So you can do a million by tomorrow. And you're like, uh, maybe. Yeah. And I thought that was bad until when they said they needed ear savers. And I said, how many, they said 10,000. That one was like the one where I almost did exactly what you did on the, on the call. Um, yep. You know, and it, it, if you've, you know, been, if you went to IMS, stage last year and you listen to Mick Eberling, you know, talk and it's, it's kind of that commit and figure it out, right? You, you commit to it and you figure it out later. Um, my team laughs at me because they know that's exactly what I'll do. We'll commit or I'll commit and then we figure it out. So that's what I'm known for. It was an absolutely riveting talk. It was great. Yeah. So um, I commit and we figure it out and that's why my team is amazing. So um so I went online. I, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't aware that there was a 3D stethoscope already, um, you know, design out there, um, which helped us out. So went out, found out, got the STL file um, and started printing them. So it was five parts. Um, and then the tubing we used hospital tubing for. And then the earbuds we made out of silicone using smooth on, um, you know, uh, material, which was fantastic. And so what was even better is that we were able to put those files on our website and the community was able to help us with. Um, and so it was fantastic. So we told them to bring in the, um, the parts and we assembled all of the stethoscopes. We then obviously, you know, did the silicone earbuds. We tested every stethoscope before it got distributed. The nice thing is then when we had, you know, COVID patients or suspected COVID patients, those stethoscopes were assigned and stayed in the rooms with the patients. And once the patient got discharged, then we threw away the stethoscopes, which was fantastic. So what were the biggest stumbling points with the stethoscopes? So um, 
the it, it was the design the design was one of them we actually ended up tossing out that design and going with our own design the reason why i say that is the design of the stethoscope was like the you know the y design mm -hmm. and um it was five parts so one of my team members um you know ended up using um the u design so if you think about almost like the pediatric type mm -hmm. stethoscopes where it's a u-shaped um so she developed an stl file using the u design which was then less um, parts, which was nice. easier to transport across, you know, our entire network. That was a big, big labor is a huge cost. Yeah. And I mean, you can't underestimate that. So yeah. that's awesome. The other big challenge was, um, while the community was absolutely amazing, um, we were putting some trust in the community and it's hard obviously to tell, uh, the filament differences. So if you tell them that you can only print in, you know, PLA or some other type of filament and, you hope and expect that they do print in that. But if you, um, you know, it, for example, we didn't want them to print in PLA because obviously over time it was going to degrade. And so with the acoustics, that could have been a problem, you know, um, with the bell. And, um, you know, we might've gotten a call say two weeks later that this stethoscope no longer worked. So then we had to toss that stethoscope out. But what we did know is that we were testing other, every stethoscope before it went out and it did work. If it didn't work, obviously we tossed those parts out. So we did lose some parts, um, which is obviously somebody's labor, somebody's filament and somebody's, you know, work from the printer, which was a bit frustrating, but we were able to get those 2000 stethoscopes out. That's amazing. That's really cool. Yeah. Then the next thing is you were talking about the ear savers. Now, curious, um, I was actually just trying to look it up as you were talking. I know that it was, uh, I think it was Spencer Jacobs was the Boy Scout who came up with the file. I don't know if you're using that one. That was where I heard about the ear savers first. Uh, I want to give credit to, you know, where credit's due on that one. But that that's a really cool project that we're still, uh, you know, making some of those. We're going to be making some of those for our staff at my day job and stuff like that. And uh were you making those where you did you have your own file or we, we found a file first on thingiverse um the funny thing is so um spencer is the, the boy scout right yeah i think that was the one i i, I googled so, it if i got the name wrong somebody call me out yeah so i'm just gonna say boy scout in case that name is yeah. wrong and then they can call you out and not me out but perfect um I'm okay if, with that. Uh, <laughs> um when that news hit with the boy scout i got hammered yeah with saying hey this is a great idea, you know, and we were already, yeah. them, but like my inbox got flooded saying, we should do this. We should do this. Of course we're we should. Doing it. Yeah, we're doing it. We're doing it. So in the, we um, met great, you <laughs> great idea. Yeah. Um, so, um, it was a fantastic idea and kudos, you know, to, you know, someone like him and, and everybody else that, you know, again, the community was fantastic, but, um, so yeah, I don't know who the original, you know, designer creator, but I'll tell you what, I love then those people. And again, the innovators, um, you know, who started putting positive messages on some of the ear savers, you know, saying heroes and, you know, just putting some pretty cool designs like the Wonder Woman design, you know, logo on back of on the back of them. And, you know, it just because that's what we needed, you know, these people, you know, nurses who are now going in and holding, you know, the iPads for people to say goodbye to loved ones just needed anything, absolutely anything and something so small was helpful. Um, it sounds crazy, but it was needed. So kudos I, to those people. I say that all the time is, you know, positivity, 
positivity and excitement is contagious. And sometimes just a little bit of positivity here and there makes an amazing difference. And it's, it's important. So that's cool as hell. So then talking about, let's talk about Papper. And I know that you and Will know more about that um, than I do, because I know you were in that community. I, I just didn't even know where to start and didn't have a need for it. So the Papper movement is the one that seems to be continuing. Like people seem to have the mask thing and the ear thing locked down and some of the other stuff, but the Papper community, I keep seeing, and there's Facebook groups and things like that. Um, you know, Will, you've had some experience with this too, or? Yeah, not not so much in the ear medical environment. We don't use a whole lot of mics. We wear helmets. And so yeah, and I say we, I teach. I, I haven't been on an aircraft in a while. Um, yeah. But our clinicians don't really use the PAPR. It's more of a hospital uh, system, if you will. Of course, it's, a, it's more like a fishbowl that fits over the head and vacuums all the air out of it. Uh, and so I have seen a couple of the, the home-built or DIY PAPRs. Of course, they, they all have their own concerns that come with them too. But it seems like a lot of that, and again, that maker community, has gotten together and said, okay, what needs to happen? And they've built a few working models. Uh, we will have to link one or two of those or show, show a couple of photos in the actual notes. Megan, were you guys doing this at your facility as well? So, yes, we, um, you know, we had a PAPR shortage. Um, you know, we were trying to get some people out of the PAPRs due to the shortage. Um, we struggled with it a bit. Um, you know, I was on the Facebook groups following everybody and we, we had to scale back. Um, so it ended up just being, we just ended up doing pepper hoods and, you know, David going back to the sewers, um, that's where they kicked ass for us. Um, you know, they were so incredibly helpful. So we 3d printed, um, some internal parts of the hoods and then we just had the sewers come in and help us, you know, finish those off. Um, and then what we ended up finding out is there was a shortage on, you know, 3m, um, you know, with the shortage there and some other areas, um was a struggle the material was a struggle and, and it was a great educational opportunity um in and, in and, and a learning opportunity um from that perspective but we just ended up probably producing um i think maybe about 20 additional paper hoods and just some parts for the you know paper hoods that we had um and put them back into our network yeah, and I know there's a website on this too, and I was trying to pull it up, socialdistancing.org, and the so is spelled S-E-W, S-E-W-C-I-A-L distancing, and that is about how people are basically making DIY pappers and they're using sewn parts, et cetera, um, to match up with what is already in use. So that's it's worth taking a look at. Uh, and one of the things I do I want to talk about too is anyone who's listened to this for a while or knows me personally knows that I am an absolute nerd when it comes to microcomputers. So I play with the Raspberry Pi. I, I am not kidding when I say I probably have 30 or 40 of these things in different areas of the house, usually in drawers, not actually doing anything. Um, but usually for playing video, old, old video games or setting them up for something minor. So there's been some really cool Raspberry Pi projects that were, again, they were maker created for this pandemic. Uh, and one of the things that I thought was kind of neat, because there are some are kind of going down the line of what you'd expect, is the idea that you can actually set up a Raspberry Pi computer to dedicate CPU power, processing power. And all you're going to do is set it up, run the app, it's called Rosetta at Home, and it's going to donate power to Boink, which is then used by medical researchers who are trying to find uh, or do actual research on the coronavirus. Or, and, and actually, they're doing a lot of research on other things as well. But you're basically just donating CPU power when you're not using your device. Now, if you get on the device and you start using it for something else or playing video games, it may pause what's being given away because it's going to draw that power back into what it's needed. Um, but if you've got these things like I do just sitting around, you can just plug them in, hook them up to the internet, run this app, log into it, 
and then just walk away from it. Anytime you're not using it, it allows that tiny little processor that's in that computer to be used by somebody else. Um, the other thing that I have seen a couple of, and I've seen a few different versions of this, is the Pi and Pi Power, or Pi Zero, which is the $5 computer powering a ventilator. So I spend a lot of time playing with ventilators, right? And that was one of the early shortages that we were worried about. Uh, it's, especially, it's still going on, actually. Anywhere that you're hearing these screams for, hey, we're running out of ICU beds, we're running out of this, running out of that, especially right now with Phoenix is, is taking a heavy hit while we record this. That is the concern. When we run out of the ability to ventilate these patients who are in severe respiratory distress and respiratory failure, uh, a few makers in our community, especially in the SIM community, have developed ways to use one ventilator for multiple patients. I hope that those things have not actually been deployed, but if it really comes down to that, that is an option. Uh, but another thing is a lot of companies have jumped in, CAE that makes simulators and flight simulators, they've created a ventilator in Canada that is being processed and built out now. But there have been people that have actually powered ventilators using these little $5 microcomputers. You go then, set up the code, program it, and if I'm not mistaken, I want to say the one I read about earlier just said five days. The thing will actually ventilate somebody for five days before it actually gives out. So that's a pretty wow. significant amount of time. It's actually really impressive. That's uh, cool. And th Is that the um, bag valve mass squisher type ventilator? Because there's, there's three or four different ways of doing it. it the, all of them have been amazing. You know, I am, I can't even begin to imagine all of the different ways, but you're right. They had to, they, I think it was Harvard or MIT, or maybe it was a combination of the two of them developed the BVM squisher, right? Where it's, it just basically spins in a circle. And as it goes around in its circle, it crushes the BVM and then it lets back off. And as long yep. as that is at the right timing to give that, you know, 12 to 16 to 18 breaths a minute, whatever you have it set to, that patient is being bagged without having to have someone stand there and squeeze that bag. It, it, here's the deal. All of these are wonderful inventions, but it is a scary world we live in if it really comes to having to use any one of these things because it's we're just relying on home-built stuff that you or I built in the garage. And sure, it looks super awesome on the internet, but when it comes down to actually taking that device and using it in an intensive care unit or in a mobile hospital that people are setting up in a park next to a hospital when they run out of space, that it, that is a very, very scary situation that we're working in. I've seen a lot of things saying, you know, we're glad this didn't happen in 1991. I mean, think of all the innovations. And that's really where this episode came out of is think of all the innovations that we've been able to do now that 10, 20, 30 years ago would have been just no way. I mean, a $5 microcomputer that can power that is just more than we could have handled in our cell phones. And now our cell phones can do all kinds of things. I mean, it's just, it blows my mind. And of course, then my mind goes to, what are we going to be at I mean, in 30 years? I don't think we're going to get our flying cars right away. But I mean, what are 3D printers going to be looking like then? And what materials can we 3D print? That, so that, that's a good point. That Pi Zero computer is more powerful than the computer I had in my house growing up, right? Like that is yeah. a $5 computer that I can run an operating system on. And I can do all kinds of things I could not do on my old DOS laptop or my old DOS de desktop that I had growing up, right? Mm -hmm. Playing Wolfenstein 3D. <laughs> and so, so the other thing too is because of this, and we're able to do all of these different remote things, it's internet of things is really what it is. These devices connect into the internet, you're able to tap into other resources, and they're being used for remote monitoring systems as well. So EKGs, SPO2 monitoring, we're able to actually set this up at somebody's house and monitor their vital signs from home rather than have to bring them into the hospital. And all of these things are, they're not being necessarily invented by healthcare providers, although some of them are usually being driven by nerds like us that are kind of in both worlds. Uh, these are things that some guy sitting at his house went, well, hell, I can do that, right? And he mm -hmm. comes up with an idea 
And then he calls up some brother-in-law or guy he used to know that went to medical school and he talks to them. And that is how these things are, are becoming. And, and I keep amazing. saying it, it's that maker community. I mean, this is every, everything you want to know, someone's giving it away for free, which is really the best part about all of this is any one of these people, any one of them could have said, Hey, I invented this really cool thing. It's going to save lives, but I expect you to pay me for it. And the reality is someone would have paid for it. And mm -hmm. so to have people come up and go, you know what? I did this, but I'm doing it for the right reasons. And now it's free. Take the technology, perfect it, do whatever you want. It's just, it's phenomenal. I mean, this is, this is wonderful. All right. So, I mean, I think that kind of wraps us up for the things that we were talking about today. Uh, Megan, you got anything else? Anything you want to share with the community? No. Um, I mean, last but certainly not least, I mean, it just like with lessons learned, I mean, I think it's safe to say that um, COVID's not going away anytime soon. I think you guys would agree with me, right? Absolutely. Um, so <clears throat> I think, you know, at least for us, um, you know, here at St. Luke's, you know, some of the lessons that we learned, if anything helpful and, you know, my message, if I can share anything, um, you know, I said in the beginning, you know, it's COVID chaos, um, but we certainly learned, um, you know, acting carefully um, is certainly better than acting quickly. Um, you know, there's certainly, um, you know, I get this adrenaline rush, um, you know, and get excited. And, um, but I also know that to do it carefully is certainly better than quickly. Um, we all know that being adapt, ability to adapt and be flexible, we're all familiar with that in simulation, especially if you're working in, you know, a hospital or, you know, similar locations um, or environments, you need to be able to adapt and, and be flexible. But <clears throat> certainly with COVID, you have to be able to be flexible and adapt because things are changing. Um, sometimes, you know, in the very beginning, it wasn't daily or weekly, it was hourly. And, you know, <clears throat> certainly with my team, I'd give them information that I was getting um, and it was changing hourly. It, it was crazy in the very beginning and, you know, it was mind blowing. And then certainly learning you opportunities. You lost a lot of sleep. <laughs> I did. I did. I lost a lot of sleep. And, um, and yeah, we, we all had to call and check on each other just to make sure you are sleeping, right? I did. I lost a lot of sleep, but um, I wouldn't. Okay, maybe there are some things I would change, but um, <laughs> I wouldn't take it back for a second. Mm -mm. Um, nope. I wouldn't. Um, you know, obviously, I wish none of this happened, but learning opportunities, you know, and I, I wouldn't say if we had to do this again, because I think we're going to end up doing something similar again, uh, you know, in the future. But um, the cool thing is the, the, the human race, we want to do something that helps. We want to feel like we're doing something and feel like, you know, we can help. And, you know, you had a team of people that crawled out of the woodwork and were printing for you. And that's the thing is in some small way, whether it's, you know, sharing an idea, sharing, you know, what would work or collaborating, come up with ideas. It, it, it's amazing. And that's one of the main reasons we wanted to have this episode is just to, you know, say hurrah to the maker community, you know, sewing, giving ideas, giving giving knowledge, maybe even naysaying, because even the naysaying helps you drive, helps you, you know, build and that sort of thing, whether it be because you say I can't, well, damn it, I bet you I can and figuring it out or, you know, collaborative. It doesn't work because of this. So let's figure out how to solve that stumbling point and things like that. And it's, it, it's an amazing community to be a part of in even the small way that, you know, we are and the big way that you with St. Luke's are. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and it's, you know, for the next time around and, and whatever that next time around is, if it, if it, 
if and when it is COVID or like you said, in 20, 30, 40 years, whatever comes next, um, you know, I don't want to say we'll be ready, but the, the thing is, like you said, people will unite and come together and makers like us and the next generation or whatever will be ready. Um, but for, for the immediate and, you know, the now, wear your darn mask so that we can go mm. back to wash your hands and wash your hands. Yep. With soap and water. Yes, preferably, <laughs> but that's a whole nother podcast episode. Yes. But so. thank you so much for having me. Um, nope, this was a thank blast. You. Yeah. Thanks Good. for joining us, Megan. This has been a lot of fun. We've been planning it for several months and so I'm happy that it several. finally came together. So, and as I always close out these episodes, I'm going to shamelessly say, hey, do me a favor, uh, find us on all the social media platforms you can, uh, whether that be the Twitters, the Instagrams, um, through uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, or whatever, and, uh, you know, follow us and, uh, you know, subscribe to us on the podcast of your choice. If you have any problems listening, you know, finding us or anything like that, let us know so we can fix that. We want to be able to be found. And, uh, you know, if you feel so, leave a review. Be honest. We're not asking you to lie, but, uh, you know, that helps us know that we're doing the right thing. Every time, you know, we, we get a note or something, that, uh, you know, good or bad, we always share it in between all of us and it, it makes our day no matter what it is. So, uh, you know, help us out, follow us, tell others, and um, we appreciate every one of you listening. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a wonderful night.